Welcome to the Dan and Kimberly podcast. <laughs> Damn business. There we go. I started this podcast exactly how I wanted to. <laughs> the thumb of oppression by the man. <laughs> well, you know what grinds my gears, Kimberly? Tell me. Tell me, Dan. When I think up a really simple phrase to cover a topic that I want to talk more about, mm-hmm. and then it's co-opted by those damn CEOs in their big buildings with their fancy cars. Ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then you know what? You can't Google it because it's like, because it, that's not what the phrase means. So you don't get to use it, even though it's not the same phrase, but it doesn't matter. It's dead. So <laughs> I, I'll say it a few times in this podcast because I don't know where I got it. Uh-huh. But then, you know what, dear listener? The real message here is going to be everything we say between the buzzwords. <laughs> <laughs> because apparently the words I think up mean nothing. Imagine that. Your internal world isn't all that's out there. <laughs> so that's my intro. I am duly frustrated with this turn of events because I did not believe you. <laughs> you could Google this very simple thing. Yes. So this week we're talking about the the phrase that I got from Dan, which has helped me understand some things. So it is useful. Um, he uses the term performance culture. We may have even used it in past podcasts. Probably. Probably. But when I went to Google it or YouTube it, the only thing that comes up is high performance culture at work and how to create one. For pages. For pages. Like all of the like all of the first like five pages yep. of, of Google searching not for high performance, but just for performance culture. It's mm-hmm. all like business blog posts and or the, the, the business personal growth machine churning away at a topic. Like when they mm-hmm. churn away at like emotional intelligence or whatever. <laughs> I, I am so happy. I am so happy that they're doing that. I am so happy that there is a sector of humanity that is grinding away at these personal growth topics. <laughs> But at the same time, sometimes it's fucking outrageous. Dan's a little frustrated. I right can't now. believe that. This makes it so much more complicated to explain. Or it makes it even more valuable because uh, we're pulling the focus back on you yeah, as the individual. I guess. All right, so let's do this properly then. So this whole thing stemmed from my deep love of Bo Burnham. He's a comedian. <laughs> He's a comedian. He's great. Mm-hmm. And you should watch all these specials. We'll link <laughs> but, something in the notes. But specifically, you should watch Make Happy. Because that's the last one he did before he went off to be a director, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a monologue in Make Happy where he, he's on stage and he flips on all the theater lights. And he sits on the stage uh, and he talks to the audience, trying to remove the veneer and the facade of the separation of performer and audience. Um, And it had like a startling impact on me Mm -hmm. Um, because he can be a pretty profound thinker. He's a weird like modern philosopher as in, I guess he's like a jester. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like he makes you laugh and tricks you into thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the main thing that he, so he's a whole bunch of his life. He got incredibly lucky and through a whole bunch of breaks and being like reasonably good at what he does, 
he ended up like catching a, a trending wave on YouTube and beyond to just like, uh, you know, go viral. Mm-hmm. And so he spent the entire rest of his life so far. He's pretty young. He's younger. Than, he's, he's like 28. Yeah. Uh, railing against his luck and the machine he's now trapped in. <laughs> from the inside, he's basically, uh, speaking of last podcast and people being hypocrites, from the, <laughs> from the inside of all his fame, he's like trying to poison the machine while also riding it. Uh, and so that's kind of wonderful. I mean, that's mm-hmm. very modern. That's a very mm-hmm. modern way to look at all the the ideas and reality tunnels and machinery and models and stuff we have around us is like by they're so sturdy now that you can literally scream at them from within them and they'll keep paying you uh and so he does a lot of that mm-hmm. uh, but where where my thoughts and where wanting to have a discussion one day of a performance culture came from was from when he sat down and had that monologue because what he ended up talking about was how people can't help it that in the modern era, they got everything they ever wanted in that they wanted to be seen and they wanted to be heard and they wanted to be appreciated and they wanted to perform and show off and be loved. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he says like, I'm kind of butchering this whole thing, but he, he basically says like, and so the market gave them exactly what they wanted. It gave them, you know, personal recording and being able to make a podcast and, and make videos and put pictures of the food you're eating online and all this stuff. And so they got to get all this, you know, love and appreciation that they thought they were seeking and be a performer. At the same time, they were also in that machine, just like devouring it and also being a consumer and also being a viewer. And so he just rails against this idea that, and so we just create this abomination where you're just like this mixed up jammed together mixture of being, being on all the time and also consuming all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like his metaphor for modern social media life. Um, and so the, so the phrase came to mind when he said that, which I don't think he, and I told you this before the podcast, because I'm just like, where did I get this phrase? Because you're like, where did it come from? And I'm like, I think it was me. Because <laughs> uh, I don't think he says it in the monologue. But like, mm-hmm. to me, I was just like, that's a, that's a performance culture. Yes. It's like people that grow up in an environment where it's like, you are the show, put on your filters, use your Snapchat, show off the, the wonderful food you're eating, show off your vacation, mm-hmm. you know? And we're all trained from a very young age to essentially be actors in some way. Um, And I mean, me being a hypocrite as well, I love telling stories like this. I love being animated like this and jumping up and down in my chair. And if you were sitting across from me at a bar, we having dinner or whatever, I would also be talking like this. So this, this isn't like my radio voice. This is like, this is transformed into my everyday Dan being an entertainer because he likes telling stories and having people listen voice. It just also happens to work on a podcast. Mm -hmm, Um, And so, but when reflecting on that and looking at that, then I realize like, I am a product of that performance culture. Like I'm this, I'm this introverted person that, you know, I'm not going to be leaving my house for like the next three days at least. And I didn't leave my house on the weekend. Mm -hmm. And so, and I'm happy as a clam. Uh, and, and all this, this stuff and, and not needing to, you know, constantly be around people. And yet, and yet I have this like hobby project where I just can't wait to like, you know, riff on topics with you 
and and tell stories and be recorded and do this whole thing. And it's just like, oh man, it's getting to all of us. <laughs> We're all getting got by this thing, by this by this culture who is raising the performer above, maybe not even above anything, but almost setting it as like the standard element of communication. Like if you really want to be part of this society, if you really want to be heard, then you need to be able to to show up, to to present yourself, to and like the classical way, which is like has been around forever. This is a good segue to like the last podcast, but like job interviews is like you put your best foot forward. Mm-hmm. Dating too. So dating and job interviews is something that like every human can like relate to, of like a thing where you don't always act like yourself when you're making like the first impression. You're putting all the best pieces of yourself out there. I don't even know if it's disingenuous. You're just making sure to edit out the perhaps not so desirable qualities of yourself. Right. Yes, exactly. And so now with all the tools and technology and stuff we have, we have the capacity to to smear that expectation like across everything. Like, look at all this wonderful food I eat. Look at all these wonderful places I go to. Look at how like, happy and excited I am like it like all this stuff and we just like we move that expectation just like across what we broadcast almost everyone Mm -hmm. like our our family our friends our Facebook feed like the whole thing um and so and so yeah I wanted to start there because I think it's interesting going off last episode talking about us as humans trying to grapple with all these new technologies and ideas and like superpowers we're getting Um, and how like social cultural, uh, norms, like we're slowly, you know, grinding away and building up like a better systems. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is another one of those, um, it's one of those symptoms of that whole thing. Uh, yeah. Would you say it's a symptom? Cause symptom, um, implies that it's not a positive. Usually symptoms are what you look up when you're trying to find out if you're dying on Google. There's this Mm. thing. What are the symptoms? True. I guess it's just an aspect of modern culture. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I think we actually even talked about how I struggled with this when I went to Iceland. It's like, what do I do? Do I post the pictures? Do I take the videos? I don't know. And so I completely unplugged from performance culture on a broad spectrum because to me, it was in that moment too distracting. I didn't have the mental tools to do both, to be present and to perform on a vacation that was important to me to enjoy. So I put down performance culture. <laughs> Maybe the next generation will be better at this. But for me, it's distracting. But I don't know if it's a new thing. Um, I think we've always done it, same as we did virtue signaling, just on a smaller scale. And so we used to have all of these people who their daily lives and all that stuff, um, like politicians and performers, musicians, whatever, their lives were publicized. And for whatever reason, we all wanted that. Sure. A horrible plan to me, but we didn't want it to be real. We didn't want the tabloid version. So we kept ourselves as the editor. You don't like living vicariously? (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh. Well, lots of people do. <laughs> I think you're the odd woman out here. Yeah, I really don't pay attention to all of that stuff. And that's not, that sounds like my personal nightmare to have my whole life publicized. <laughs> Bad plan. Um, 
but we all do this performance culture thing. We all do this dance. And the kids today grow up doing it very early. One of my daughters had a friend over last weekend and they're 10. She has a YouTube channel and she wanted to post a video. And I was like, this is so fascinating. <laughs> you have a YouTube channel? You're 10. Wait, wait, that's actually pretty normal. So what do you think we can learn about humanity from this performance culture and how it's um, so exposed now with our access to the internet? Uh, so I would love to think... I would love to think on the good side that like there must be good qualities to being able to broadcast a point, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> like imagine a whole society, a whole movement of youth equipped being able to make really compelling podcasts and YouTube videos about social issues or concepts that need to be taught more or things that matter to them or the value of art or the value of science or hobbies they like, but getting from an early age, being able to get better and better at making it like just really captivating, mm -hmm. right? Like being able to own your own radio station or own your own um, TV station. Mm -hmm. um, was never really a dream of kids before because they couldn't do it. Yeah, that was for tycoons. Right. Whereas now we all do. So uh, my concerns stem around culturally having like too wide a brush. So like I am all for hundreds of millions of people now being equipped to, you know, be better activists and better communicators and all this stuff and just like getting better at being their own flavor of journalist or performer or whatever, starting their own news network, doing whatever. And like having a free market on just like everyone have video. Um, it's just weird when it seeps into the cultural, um, like where it's like culturally normal that like everyone should. Um, and it, we once again are like idolizing all the same stuff but, and you still idolize rock stars and like, like celebrities and all this stuff. But then like people are like idolizing YouTube celebrities that have like millions and millions of subscribers and um, idolizing like podcast people. Mm -hmm. And so like the, the bar of celebrity, the bar of being in that sphere has like lowered. And I guess my underlying, like, I don't know. I just... There was a time, and maybe maybe kids don't do this anymore, <laughs> but there was a time where, like, I got tons of shit for not having a Facebook account and not having, like, other stuff. Um, because it's like, um, like, how's your family going to keep up with you? It's like, oh, I, me I messaged you on this thing. Why didn't you message me back? Or like, hey, do you know what happens happening to Aunt Susan way over here? And it's like, no, I don't have Facebook. And it's like, what? What's the matter with you? And mm -hmm. so, like, this social requirement of being always on, I have an issue with. I, I, I don't actually have an issue with the amazing and unwieldy amount of power it's giving everyone <laughs> to like yell more, talking about in the last podcast. Like <laughs> now, now you could just make things having opinions about lots of stuff mm -hmm. um, and they can be recorded forever and you can pass them out to your fans. Um, but there's also like, it's becoming like a, like a 
bare minimum social requirement. And maybe that's good. Maybe as, as future humans, there is value in everyone having a base level of competence in being able to allow themselves to be heard in a captivating way on the, on the grand stage. Uh, I'm open to that idea. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know. We, I, it feels like you could lose the ability for people to just like live a quiet life where they're not, you know, getting bombarded by all this stuff or having their parents, grandparents, friends just being like, what have you been up to? You haven't been posting on Facebook or whatever the equivalent in the future will be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where the tension is for me. For you is, is that like, I really like the idea of being people just being able to equip themselves with these tools that just make them amazingly powerful, especially because I'm madly in love with communication. So anything that's captivating to people that just allows them to work on that uh, is cool, is good. I think that leads to better discourse. I think that it'll lead to like ideas being able to be better understood. Like even if here's a very, not controversial, but like I'll be hot topic for a second. Like if you want to better understand the resurgent of the flat earther movement, it's actually really easy because there's just like hundreds of YouTube videos and you could think the whole thing is wild and insane, but it's not like they're like in some hidden side room having these conversations in, in a bubble. They're having a a conversation still in a bubble, but online totally in public. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to see like what they think, what they believe when they are on stage, when they are at one of their conventions, it's totally recorded and just up on YouTube. Then like, you can just skim stuff. You can just listen to stuff. And I'm not appealing that you become like super empathetic, but it, it could lead you to be more empathetic. Um, and so we are in, we're, we're in an era where that's, that's getting like a more and more basic skill. And I really like that. So, so that's, that's the part of this that, I'm, that has me like excited. Kind of the decentralization of the power of information. That's what yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. But the obligation to participate being a possibility makes you nervous. Yeah. So there's a saying with the should be with everyone, but it seems to only be what I've around introverts. Is that like we prefer systems that are opt-in, mm-hmm. um, not systems that are opt-out. Got it. And for people who don't know what that means, in some cultures they'll have like an opt-in to be an organ donor on the license when you get your driver's license and the numbers of people who are on the list of donors is small and other countries have an opt out option on a driver's license application. And the numbers are very high. Right. So it's switching where the choice is. It's funny. I'm actually, (laughs) I can't believe you brought up organ donorship. That is, that is one area where I have absolutely, (laughs) um, opt out, opt out. Um, (laughs) But You're it's welcome. different. So, uh, and I guess it's, um, we're not getting into this podcast, but I guess that's more centered around like my beliefs around death. Mm-hmm. So like, it's just different to me. Um, uh, con- Another con- day, perhaps we'll talk about organ donorship. The, 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 short, the shortest way I could say that is like, conscious beings should opt into the choices that are given to them in their life. Mm-hmm. And thing, everything else, as long as it's leading towards good, I think should be opt out. Oh, that gets into such a slippery slope. Yep. Who gets to decide what good is. Yep. I think well, over, now, I think that over, can, <laughs> now that we all have a voice, we all get to say what we think is good. Yes. <laughs> wow. Controversial <laughs> swerve in this podcast. Let's get back on track. 
<laughs> what are we talking about? Oh yeah, performance culture. Um, that's interesting to me that you, um, that it's the opting in, opting out thing that feels like that's where the tension is. Because that one seems like a no brainer to me. Don't participate, participate. Uh, tell your family to bug off and send you a postcard. I don't know. The thing that seems more threatening to me as an individual is the loss of remembering that you're an individual. Okay. Blurring between, am I always behaving as myself? Is this how I would behave alone? Is this how I behave just because I'm in front of people? Is there a me in the vacuum? All of those questions that come up when I think about your term performance culture is what I've been toying with. Is the person I put on Facebook even authentically me or is it just a mask? Right. Is that even bad? I don't think my husband has the term don't air your dirty laundry. Like, where is the line between the shingle I basically put up when I when I'm on Facebook and I'm having the conversations there? Is that truly me? Am I being authentic? I don't know. I try really hard to be, but there's always that sense of people are watching. And so you're more careful, at least I am, to not fall down into rabbit holes where I'm having a discussion that's going nowhere. Or I might indulge in that with my husband when it's just the two of us. Well, let's talk about this thing. Right. And we could, you know, throw ridiculous arguments at each other and see if any of them stick or if I could get him to fall for a fallacy. (laughs) That I try not to do when other people are watching. So am I being inauthentic? And then having children growing up in this period, um, my second boy born is a natural performer. It's like she's always on stage. She walks around and she like will put up her hand and pop out her hip as if everyone is watching all the time. <laughs> and she doesn't have a YouTube channel. She doesn't have any of that stuff. None of my kids do. But is that just who she is? Like, is that, that an emergent of the performance culture that those are the kids she's around who are always performing? So that's the part to me that gets a little, um, feels threatening. It's very interesting that yours is so different. Does that feel at all like slippery to you? Uh, yeah, actually, I'm really glad you brought that up because I get that entirely. Yeah. Uh, I think. So I don't think we're I don't think those two concepts are very far off, though, like in not being forced to be on Facebook, mm-hmm. I don't have to make the choice of what my public persona to my family is so so i'm actually reducing the number of potential masks i need to create mm-hmm. because i actually have a lot of pride around just being myself speaking of virtue signaling mm-hmm. <laughs> he's waving uh, the flag everyone do you see it <laughs> and so and i say this a lot and like uh-huh. whatever listener i see you roll your eyes you're doing your people thing keep going uh, but like i i I say it a bunch because I adamantly am attempting within this life that I have to be the same Dan here on this podcast that I am at work when I'm talking to my coworkers, that I am when I'm chatting to my mom about these topics, that I am when I'm chatting to my best friend. Mm-hmm. I I try so hard <laughs> to to like catch myself. This goes back to my like mandate hour ideas around like presence and being aware enough to be able to like watch yourself and be like, Oh, look, you're doing human things. Mm -hmm. And like when I'm putting on a very particular show for a person, I usually like stop inside and like ask myself why? Cause, cause I, 
I mostly perform for strangers. Like any, that's so weird. Anyone that's like within not just my inner circle, but like any circle of acquaintance within me, Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm mostly the same, like across the board. That means my work colleagues, that means here, that means my best friend, that means my mom, that means what I'm dating, it's whatever. But like strangers, I will like think much more consciously and slowly about the social dance that they are expecting to happen. And then I will make steps that choreograph with their thing. Um, and I don't do that with anyone else in my life. I'm just like, I'm a weirdo. I'm just going to do this thing. Hey, hi, I'm Dan. Uh-huh. Hey, I'm doing a Dan thing. Hey, that was very Danish. Like all, all phrases that I use a lot to kind of uh-huh. diffuse the tension of how I'm going to be like a little bit like I'm not reading. <laughs> I'm not reading the steps. I don't care about the steps. I know I'm not causing harm. So like, we're all going to be fine. <laughs> it's not be very well choreographed. We'll be fine. Uh-huh. Whereas like strangers, I like, that, that's one place in my life where I still have like a mask that is definitively different than around people I know. Interesting. You think you'll play with dropping the performance culture with strangers? Yeah. I think it's a, I think it's a graduation of like my self-worth. Mm. So uh, I, it's okay having like everyone I know, even acquaintances, like, rolling their eyes or giving me a little bit like deer in the headlights because I like sidestep to social norm. Mm -hmm. But like when strangers do it, I just like, I'm so embarrassed. For them? Uh, No, in general. I'm just like, oh, well, the feeling, the words that came to my mind were like, man, I made their day so awkward. (laughs) So, So I still have like a lot of like residual weird ownership of the other person. Uh-huh. Which is something yeah. I don't I, I don't have with acquaintances at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you um you're putting yourself in a position of power there, which is interesting. Yeah, and whenever I do that, like it, it in that weird way, it gives them a lot of power over me mm-hmm. because I like envision their experience and then give them power over me to like have it affect me in a way, and then I feel mm-hmm. awful. They turn into a puppet. Yes. So um, so in general. Uh, my my point there was that like in not uh, participating in a whole bunch of these like broadcast systems, mm-hmm. um, it gave me enough time <laughs> to cultivate who I am right now, so that I feel like I've landed on my identity. So that when we went to record this podcast, I walk away from these episodes. Sometimes I have vulnerability hangover, but I do walk away. I've never walked away from the, an episode we've recorded yet and felt like I like faked. Yeah, me either um some type of yeah yeah you know what i mean so like mm-hmm. which is good because because i don't think like years ago like i think i would have put on like a showman radio dan like wise dan maybe professor dan thing like some the some mass in the room yeah that made me like mm-hmm. more credible or something whereas like i just basically show up here and i'm like oh i get to talk with kimberly and i'm just so excited that <laughs> i just yeah. I, we just do whatever yeah um and so I think I bought myself enough time. I think that that's part of the opt-in thing for me. Mm, so you can it's, opt in when you're ready. Yeah. It, but if I'd already spent years like cultivating an Instagram persona to get followers or like doing all this stuff, I, I hold the same fear as you, though I haven't been able to figure out if it would have actually happened. So it's like a timeline I don't think I'm ever going to like end up on now because I'm like too old and I've put in enough work that I think I'm like pretty stable. Mm-hmm. But like, it does raise an interesting question of like, I wondered what like a more fractured Dan would be like. And if that's even a bad thing, 
Um, I don't know if it's a bad thing. I think more just a thing to be aware of. Like you said, you realize that you're putting on the social mask and then there's a power disparity between you and strangers. Yeah. So just knowing that our culture does that and then noticing the power and then deciding to possibly start to take it back so you're not doing a dance so that you are being more authentically you. Oh, we're all kind of putting on the shine. And then some people actually go the opposite direction. They post all of the negative things in their life because they want people to tell you it's going to be okay and to, and to sympathize. And that's just a different kind of performance. So it's not just the people who look shiny. Yeah, I agree. Culture. I think we all do it sometimes. And we always have as humans because we're, we're not uh, lone wolves. We're very community tribal based. We've all been doing it forever. Just now you can see it. And, um, and like you said, just take, taking that moment to ask why. Okay, I'm putting this mask on. Why? Is a really interesting introspection. I think it's a good learning tool. And mm. we're, I don't think either of us are saying that performance is bad. Just knowing it's there. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things like when you name stuff, you can start like working on it. Mm hmm. I forget who said that too, but there, but there's that whole concept, right? That like once once something has a has a name or a concept around it, you can like conceptualize it, and you can figure out what you're going to do with it, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and instead of just thinking like kids these days are so weird, or the world's so different, or like all that stuff, if instead we like slow down enough to be like, what's actually happening without villainizing it and being like it was such a simpler time. <laughs> it's like because like there were times in my life before the internet. I am in that perfect generation where I grew up as a kid that went outside and ran around and play fit, like fought and did all the stuff. And then I got my first computer in my early teens and like got the internet like a couple of years after. And like the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, it's, it's just being able to slow down enough to, to just, like you said, think about what's going on so that we can decide like how to do it better or what to do with it, or at least just look at it, like not get so swept away with it. So that when you do have kids, there's room to be that next step up and like have an actual discussion around like, not like you can't no screen time for you, or you can't do this thing, or you can't, you, you were talking about your, your one daughter having like a demon art account like a while ago. Um, and it's all like, you can't have a, internet persona you know don't put things online they're going to be around for with you forever like in, instead of having like a very antagonistic stance instead of just like trying to grow in your maturity and wisdom you know as a, as as the mature one as the parent or as the guide or however you want to like look at the thing to the one who supposedly knows more yes <laughs> uh the one potentially with the like the higher view even if you don't have like quite as much of an intimate view of like all the components there's there's room for for us to be like okay <laughs> like uh you know like imagine the conversations there are conversations that are happening right now right like you you know sweetheart the number of followers you have on instagram doesn't you know reflect mm -hmm. on how good of a person you are yeah that's right. actually the conversation we've had a bunch of times. The number of, because in, in DeviantArt, it's llamas. The number of llamas you have doesn't matter, right? Like post whatever you want, but I want you to keep coming back to who are you doing this for? If you're doing it for the people who are following you, 
you might lose yourself a little bit. So just be aware of, am I drawing this for me? Do I like my drawing? Am I doing it the way I want to? Or am I morphing who I am to appease these people that I may never even know? Because she had some stress when she first started um, posting art about two years ago about, oh my gosh, and then there's this, and what if I do this? <laughs> like trying to map it out to be this perfect thing to get, you know, to build a persona. And now I just keep encouraging her, draw for yourself, draw for yourself, draw for yourself. And it seems to help her anxiety. If that's the only positive that comes out of those conversations, I'm all for it. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of, uh, especially parents, have to help their kids map it out. And, and I think we're all figuring it out. I agree. First generation was the best one because I didn't get a computer until I was married. But, you know. <laughs> so you got to skip all the... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I got to be awkward without an audience. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh wait, am I still yeah. awkward? Your, your your paper trail is like Polaroids and yeah, mm-hmm. ra- random stuff in random phone pho- pho- sorry photo albums or like yearbooks. Yeah, I think um for me a lot of this comes back to knowing it so you can name it, like you said, and then grabbing that little bit of free will you do have mm. because um my current hypothesis that I'm toying with is that the only free will you have is when you're asking questions. The rest is all automatic responses. So unless you're asking the question, am I performing? Am I not? You're just in an auto responder, which isn't that much free will. (laughs) So (laughs) do you want some free will around performance culture, seeing its pull on you, seeing it wanting you to do the dance, totally do the dance if you want to, just making the choice to do it, I think can change the way you even do the dance oh i want to do this dance but i'm going to pull myself into it yeah performance culture wherever dan coined the term whether he came up with it or not you, you know what <laughs> one day i'll figure out who the people much smarter than me what they've called it since <laughs> i can't call it that he says going back to the beginning of the podcast where he was very angry I'm holding on to performance culture because it works for me and I'm a selfish bitch. <laughs> well, and it does make sense. And it's a simple phrase. Man, why do simple phrases have to be co-opted to be power boobs in business? Oh, well. Oh, that's, well. That's just the world we're in. <laughs> Stop worrying about performing by having the right phrase, Dan. Yeah, that's but then how's it going to catch on? Oh. If I don't coin a thing, how's this going to go viral? Is that the most important part? Yes, I'm doing this for everyone else. (laughs) We should talk. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Nice. Very good. So that's a performance culture and our thoughts on something that Dan coined, or maybe we just don't know the term for. (laughs) Yeah, cool. Go watch Bo Burnham and go watch his interviews and go listen to him talk about this very topic on like seven or eight different podcasts. Yeah. And he apparently directed a movie that looks like it's fantastic called Eighth Grade. And is also literally about this. <laughs> yeah, which is literally about this. So totally nothing super original here. But think about it. Have fun with it. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm i not convinced about that. Like, I think we're in the middle of it. <gasps> what? I, I think we're in the middle of figuring out what the hell to do with this society we've made. Yeah. <laughs> and so... um. I'm actually really proud to be like adding to that conversation. Even if like five people listen to this, it's just like, we need to be riffing on this. Agreed. Because there's like no getting out of it now. 
<laughs> like, like the only way through is up. <laughs> so we should figure this out. Or this is me being greedy again. I want us to go up. <laughs> Not... So demanding of humanity. <laughs> up. Up. What if there isn't really an up, really? It's only out from what we perceive to be the center of the world. So I suppose just putting that up. <laughs> Extinction seems down. <laughs> not up <laughs> ah the the species that come after us would think that that's up for them just and, like the dinosaurs and they would never invent instagram because they would see the fault of our ways <laughs> there you go <laughs> okay okay we're getting slap happy we'll see you next that was week fine. Yeah, see you later <laughs> bye <laughs>